Beautiful babies and lovely lads, comb out your luscious locks, flaunt your Hollywood tan, and Mama has always said that I remain her most favorite. Because it's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Factless Moes. And this, my brethren, is Talk Tall to Me. A tragic mishap at the frat party of prog rock in which, now I'll do it blindfolded, Nick, and of course this is safe, Omen, <laughs> will pin the donkey tail on every single impervious track that blessed and highly favored rock band Jethro Tull have ever pledged. We will butt-chug a brewski with Una Birna, go through hazing with Scott Hammond, and drink a full gallon of David Goodyear Grog. And if we can hold our divine liquor, perhaps we will be admitted to the fraternal society of the paddle-wielding pop star, the kilted keg-stander, the big man on concert flute, Ian Epsilon Delta Phi Anderson. The man on flute d'amour. Yes, the big man on flute d'amour. It takes a big man to play a flute d'amour. It does. It does. Nick, welcome. Omen. Here we are in person twice in three weeks. And where are we in person? Or is it two weeks? No, it's, it's three weeks. Three weeks. We are on Grand Island in Buffalo, New York. Next to Canada. Right over there. I can see it. I can literally see it. At the house of my in-laws. It's very much like risky business, except instead of having sex with prostitutes, we're recording a podcast. About this, the, same, the same level of badass credit. Same, same level of badass yeah. credit. Okay, yeah. Great, great, great. Yeah. Awesome. And, and I have the height of Tom Cruise. Of Tom Cruise. Yeah. So, Nick, today we are talking about a very um, exciting track off of Röckflöte. That we are. That it, we are. It is entitled... The Perfect One. Track number seven. We are officially on the second half of this album. Whoa! Oh! Oh! Did you know? Did you know? Omen, oh, you know. They, they just, <laughs> they just uh, launched the pre-order for Broadsword. The remaster, Broadsword oh, remaster. Oh, really? Yep. I did not know that. And, and that means that there are new bonus tracks. Seven bonus tracks. 70 bonus tracks? 70. Okay. All 70. So, uh, like seven bonus tracks, four of which are instrumental. Okay. And it's coming out, it, the launch is September 1st. By the time we finish this album, it'll be mid-September. So we are going to pick those up immediately after Rock Flute. Oh my God, we're never going to get to like... It's Rock Island it's and, be, and light music. It's going to be a long time. We're caught in, in the nether zone of Jethro Tull programming. Jethro Tull's nethers. Um, yeah, let me see here. So we've got Rock Flute goes up until 9.12. Then 9.19 through 10.24 are the new broadsword bonus. Then on Halloween... Kissing Willie drops. Oh! <laughs> I, I mean, it could not be any more I've perfect, spent right? My Halloween's doing worse things. Tricking and treating. Turning tricks Turning for tricks treats. For treats. <laughs> Nick, shall we dive in to track number seven off of Rock Flute, aka The Perfect One? Let us perfectly listen to this one. Jesus, Nick McGill. Wow. That was The Perfect One by Jethro Tull on Rock Flute, track number seven. On a scale of Kissing Willie to, to Aqualung in terms of <laughs> gradient of perfect, where does this fall as in, in terms of The Perfect One? I'm not... <laughs> It's a very difficult scale to follow. It sure is. I think this might be one of my favorite songs off of this album. I'll say that. Hmm. Okay. And I'll back that up by saying more things. Which is that the structure... Show, show your work. The structure of this song is delightful. Mm -hmm. it, 
It represents everything that we love about Jethro Tull. It does. It represents everything that we love about prog rock. Correct. It's everything that we love about Ian's special touch. <laughs> Ian's special yeah, approach it, it, to good source. Touch. To Ian's, s- Ian's good touch. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Our, we consent Ian to touch us in a special way yep. with this song. Okay. It's got it all. It's got it all. It's got Joe Paris James going mm. to town on the guitar with such precision, with such heart. Yep. It's got Hammond exercising dynamics in such a conscientious but relaxed way. Mm-hmm. The bass player also does a nice job. <laughs> David Goodyear. David Goodyear. <laughs> I would say he's David better than Goodyear. He's pretty Goodyear right now. He's David excellenter. Mm-hmm. No, I really, I really like this song. What about you? It's good. It's good. It's good. I like the sound. It's We're starting to get into a sound in this album that's... We're starting to get into a little soft. This is obviously still like hard at places and really rocking, but we, we've also got a little softness to it that we haven't heard yet. We're starting to move yes. into that side of things. Yes, um, yes. And, uh, and I like that sound. I like it. It's a, it's a unique sound that we haven't heard in, in quite some time. And what I quite like about this song is that I feel like it's a good blend. They do such an effortless job mm-hmm. of, of transitioning between those that softer sound and those yeah. harder moments. Yes, absolutely. And bringing, mixing the light and the darkness together, mm-hmm. mixing the the lights and the darks. Yeah, yeah, and the with a color safe bleach. <laughs> your colors will not run, or your money back. These colors don't run. <laughs> they frolic. <laughs> um, they skip. <laughs> uh, yeah, we we definitely have a lot of uh, light and dark here sounds. It, and it really fits with the this portion of the story as well. I mean, Baldur's story is pretty light and dark. I'm excited to talk about the the myth and the and the lyrics. Let's talk about time signatures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Four four or eight eight. Okay. I can never tell when it goes from four four to eight eight. That's what I, I counted it at. So I, I comfortably counted it at fours. Yeah. So if for most of it, I think you could count it in either four or eight. Sort of okay. doesn't matter because uh, they're divisible by themselves. You can do it in two, two if you were crazy. I'm also divisible by myself. Um, but the, so the lyric section is all in what I, I would count it as eight, eight. Okay. The instrumentals are in eight, eight slash five, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five. You want to hear it? So it's 13, eight. Um, you could count it like that. Yeah, I suppose. Like a madman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate uh, hearing that while I apply my chapsticks. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, mm. five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Okay, <laughs> I skipped some numbers. But so that's what that's what makes that feeling of like a little catch step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In there, that's nice. It's it's gorgeous. It's yeah. and it's and it's proggy. Mm-hmm. It's not like. We're gonna prog it up so hard, you're not yeah. even gonna freaking know what's going on. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is prog rock, but we're so good at it, we're gonna slip a measure of five into there and you don't even know. Right, if you, if, you, if you weren't looking to count, you wouldn't really know that it's prog. Like, I know that there's that, like, that little skip there, like yeah. you said, but it's like, it just feels right. Feels like you had mm-hmm. maybe one too many cups of coffee. Yeah, exactly. And you're skipping to the bathroom. (laughs) My heart murmur, no. (laughs) I love that intro that's so sweet with the glockenspiel. The glock. It's been a while since we've heard the glock. Yeah. I'm guessing it's... Well, no, it might be actually physical. I was thinking it would be like a synth clock, but it could be physical. Synth clock. I remember before the streets were full of synth clock. Tonight at eight. (laughs) Alfred, you've got to stop the synth clock from hitting the streets of Gotham. Yes, Master Wayne. (laughs) 
Uh, I think it's a real Glock. Glock reveal? I think so. It probably is, yeah. But who knows? You know, at this in this age of, of technology, you never know who's a, a real Glockenspiel player and who's a Glock bot. Glock GPT. That's what the G stands for, actually. Yes. <laughs> and then we come in with that thick, beautiful guitar. Just yeah, acoustic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That acoustic is lovely. Yes. And then the the thick, ropey, syrupy guitar oh, oh, that one. of yeah, Joe yeah, Paris yeah. James. Well, uh, flowing out onto us. Smiles, beguiles, and occupies a perfect class of sacred space. Before we get there, we also have the double flute where it picks up. Yes, okay, yeah. you're totally right. And I believe that's the that's a doubled up concert flute, not a flute d'amour. Yes, I don't think it's low enough to be the flute of love. <laughs> but that whole intro is so sweet. It's so yeah. charming. It's so mm -hmm. idyllic. Yeah, it is. It's perfect. And then. And then the th guitar comes then in. Then we get into that guitar and the bass comes in and it gets really dark. Minor key, I'm guessing? Yeah, I believe Pretty so. Pretty darn close. Yeah. Yeah. That, to me, that portion, once we get, th get through that really lovely flute, it almost sounds like the end of a song. It feels like we're starting at the end with that sound. It feels like it's coming to a close, but, but it just keeps going. That's interesting. Well, and then there are some shifts in the the tune. I don't know if it's a key shift or just a shift in, in how the tune is being presented, mm -hmm. but it shifts several times within those lyrics, almost almost in a way that feels like um like a Sondheim musical, you know? Mm, where where, yeah. where it's sort of like it's always shifting its stance and so yep. you're never quite sure. Yeah. Once you get comfortable then the rug is pulled exactly, out from under you. Exactly. Yeah. Ian is so good singing it and with the composition in this song. This song in particular, of, of all the ones that we've heard, it that really stands out for, for yes. the song, I feel like. I feel, and I think that what it creates in me, and I obviously we know what the song is about. Gas. So we're, <laughs> yeah. It creates gas in you. Uh, it, um, <laughs> this song brought to you by Bino. Hmm. Bino, I haven't heard of Bino in like forever. I know. <laughs> um, it creates this feeling of like, oh, I can relax because everything's great. Oh, maybe there's something messed up just around yeah. the corner. Oh no, everything's yeah. fine. Everything's totally fine. Oh God. And that's that really embodies the idea of the Norse myths altogether. You know, like you can never be comfortable with the Norse myths. You should never be comfortable something with the Norse myths. Is going to happen whether it's a serpent or a giant or someone wanting to steal Freya and marry her yeah. or stealing some artifact to then blackmail to get Freya to marry him so he'll give back Mjolnir or something like that. Or unleashing some monster that's gonna destroy the world. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost, my feelings about the Greek myths are very, very influenced by Ovid, obviously not Greek, Roman, yeah. but his retelling of the Greek myths. And I almost feel like you just described so perfectly the feeling of the Norse myths, which is if everything feels good, watch the frick out. Something's gonna happen. Watch the Freya yeah. out. Yeah, it's something bad's gonna happen. It, and the Greek myths, almost for me, are the opposite, where it's like no matter how bad anything gets, there's always that sense of metamorphosis that'll come along. That mm. yeah, maybe this story ends in tragedy, but the, but that is also the beginning of a, of the next story, which could have a, a beautiful outcome. Yeah, the mortals very well will suffer by the end of it, but the gods are happy by the end of it. Somebody's so. happy. <laughs> Somebody got off. Yeah, yeah, usually Zeus. Almost, usually. <laughs> almost always Zeus. Yeah. Goose, bull, stream of, of moonlight. Um, God. Uh, oh, he transformed horse, into a woman. Snake, a woman. A woman? Yeah. A woman? <laughs> a woman? Did you ever see the movie Willow? Of course. Oh my God, that scene where um, where Val Kilmer's pretending to be a woman, and he's with this this woman. He's like trying to trying to oh, hook seduce, up with yeah. her, and then Lug comes in, like her husband or something. Right. And he's like he starts flirting with with Val Kilmer, who was beautiful in 1987. Oh yeah, oh lovely sure. man. And he uh, the, he starts like pawing at her her orange 
yeah, he's some, bosoms yeah. and, and pulls back the thing and sees a man. Um, and he goes, not a woman, not a woman. <laughs> and then, and then Val Kilmer says to the guards from Castle Nakmar says, uh, um, gentlemen, meet Lug. And then he, he ducks and then Lug punches them in the head. Love that wow. Movie. Thank I you for that oh trip down memory lane. Love that movie. It's a great film. And the, um, do you watch the, the TV show that's on Disney? No, oh, I haven't seen it very yet. Very good. Very yeah. good. Very, very funny which kind of like pulls me out of like it's supposed to be Willow. It's supposed I know. to be dire, everybody, everyone, but it's very good. Everybody wants funny these days. I know. That's why we try not to be. That's why we would never make a joke. Okay. <laughs> the lyrics feel mm. to me, at a certain moment I was like, are they slow? It feels stilted a little bit. I was going to say hypnotic. Hmm. Because there's some level on which it's like, it plods. But what Ian's so good about is is putting is putting a little syrup on his voice. A little English. A little Scottish. A little Scottish. To me, it doesn't feel, whereas it could feel slower, it almost feels slow. It ends up feeling... Right. It ends up feeling sultry, yeah. snaky. Yeah. Lascivious. Turgid. Ooh, not where I was expecting that to go. Uh, torrid. Turnip. Turnip. Yep, there we go. Got it. Around 206, mm -hmm. we have a beautiful flute solo from Ian. Mm, yeah. Just gorgeous. Yeah, good breakdown. <laughs> 215-ish, Joe Parrish comes in, rips it. Yeah. With harmonizing with himself which I think he's doing live I don't think I don't think that's double tracked oh I think he's just playing chords I mean I think he is that good I think he is that good yeah yeah. You know, I feel safe in Joe Paris James's arms. Yeah. I feel safe. I never felt safe with Florian Opale. And and I don't no. and I don't mean that in a, in a way to to disrespect his playing cuz he's he's an amazing guitarist. I didn't feel in danger in Florian's arms either though. No. And that was the problem. I want to feel in danger and safe. Yeah. And that is the experience that Joe Parrish provides for me. You want a guitar bad boy. I want a guitar bad boy with a tender heart. You just have to get through that rough exterior. Yeah. And nobody, nobody knows the, the secret yeah. of, of his being. You're like on his motorcycle, you're going out of the speed limit, nobody's wearing a helmet, and he's like, don't worry, baby. I've got you. I've done this a hundred times. <laughs> with a hundred women. <laughs> I just want to be the hundred and first. He's, um, oh, what's the guy's name in Greece? He's the Greece guy. The Grease Guy. The Grease Monkey. He's the Grease Guy. I think you're thinking of Sonny. John Travolta's character is Sonny? No. no. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking Sonny of. Sonny was, was, was who I played in high school. You're thinking of Danny Zuko. Oh, that one. Yeah. I was thinking more of Han Solo. Oh. I don't know that you would feel safe with him, though. No. No, I don't. Unless you're Chewbacca. I bet you Chewbacca feels safe with Han Solo. I was thinking of Chewbacca, actually. Yeah. I would feel safe with Chewbacca. Oh my god, I would love to be just like cradled by Chewbacca. <laughs> I'd fall right asleep. I'd, be, I'd feel so safe. Are you kidding me? The outro to this is remarkable mm -hmm. because it is a surprising length. <laughs> it's not the length you expect. Whatever you're thinking it's going to be, it's not that. Longer. It's Or shorter. Oh. It either is it too... Is, it is cold in here. It is... It provides a moment of disquietingness, where I feel... Disquietude. Disquietude, where I feel like it's making me contemplate the effects of my own actions, which you, I hate to do. Try not to be in, interior at all. You're talking about, even before that, like, really kind of lowing flute at the end. Now, that is what I that's, mean. That's, yeah. Wow, we I don't have a good sense of when it's going to end. Yeah, right. And because of that, I'm kind of like, oh my God, 
What just happened? It does still end with a finality. I don't feel like I'm left wanting or needing more. No, but that finality, there's a resonance. That's it's a very like, good way to put and it. it's done, and now that doneness is gonna resonate for a couple minutes yeah. while you think about what you've done. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Nick, anything else to say about the lyrics? I've said nothing about the lyrics so far. Nick, <laughs> anything else about the music that we want to discuss? Uh, I think that is everything. Oh, just the fact that with that ending, with that lowing, resonant ending, this song could be the last song on the album and I wouldn't think twice. It's very interesting to put it on the first track of this side. We've talked a lot about the vinyl experience and I think that, what are the tracks that we've had so far? Veluspo, Ganunga Gap, Allfather, The Feathered Consort, Hammer on Hammer, and Wolf Unchained. I feel like all of those songs are kind of setting stuff up. You know, it's sort of like you have the Asir on this side, you have the Wolf, you know, you, you have, you, you, it's sort of setting, it's setting up all the dominoes. Yeah. And I feel like the death of Balder is kind of the first little domino it's that, pretty start, big. that starts to fall. Yeah. And so putting that at the top of the second half of the album, when you flip that onto the B-side, it's kind of like, all right, all that beautiful world that we created, we're going to start knocking it down now. It's a pretty big moment in terms of that flow of the overall story that is made up of these little little bits and pieces. It's very important because it, it gives us really the kind of the mortality of the gods. It gives us the fact that Loki can go too far mm. and can be punished for it. Yeah. Can be thoroughly punished for it. And it really, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back because it really starts the, well, now there are, are definitively two sides between right. the gods and kind of Loki <clears throat> and everybody else. I believe that Loki's punishment, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Or will we? Nick, welcome to this very special halftime break. Here we are. Brought to you by... Homebrewed Kombucha. We have tamarind and we have mangosteen. Man. Mangosteen. Is that the one that you're requesting? I'm really undecided. Have you, had, have you tried them both? I've had the mangosteen and it is amazing. Do you want to try... The tamarind? The tamarind, because I do love tamarind. Sure. That is this baby here. Just give it a little twist to... Pick up the silt. Love some silt in Love my beverages. I've actually never opened a tamarind, so I'm going to go to the sink just to be safe. Love that idea. I don't think it's very sugary, so it should be okay, but you can hear me this whole time, so I can keep, keep talking. Oh, I mean, there's no sink in this kitchen. <laughs> oh, that wasn't bad at all. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Just the right amount of fizz. Just the right amount of piss. <laughs> that's uh, a... Uh, Actually, yeah. I'm very dehydrated. So you don't have the right amount of I, piss. I have the wrong amount of piss. <laughs> I, um, I've been drinking so much coffee this summer. That smells really good. Uh, I've been drinking so much coffee this summer that sometimes, this is TMI obviously, but have you ever had the experience when you, you urinate and it's like, it's like you're pissing just 100% Arabica. It's like chocolate, it's like chocolate pudding, jello pudding. I, thanks to a week of food poisoning and a stomach bug, in that process, I detoxed from caffeine and I haven't gone back to it. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers to your booch. In Boca Alupo. Ooh, I love it. That's very nice. It's I very love smooth. it. Tamarind is one of my favorite flavors. It's so subtle and very earthy. That's very nice. But you still get that, that tang from the tamarind. Mm. I think. I just ate the tiny little pellicle that grows on top and it's very tamarindy. Pellicle. Yeah, it's the little, it's the, it's the word of the day. Pellicle. Pellicle. It's on top of the booch. It's where the bacteria in yeast, it's the byproduct of when they eat the sugar and the tea. It's basically an apartment building, essentially, and it keeps an airtight seal so you don't lose all of your, um, you don't lose all of your liquid via evaporation. 
and it keeps the little bit of carbonation in there as well. Pinnacle. Pellicle. This is really delicious. If it's a really good healthy batch, when you're carbonating, you'll get a, a tiny little pellicle that grows in there. See, this one doesn't have one. Tamarind did. Okay. And it's just delicious. I love it. Uh, you're really becoming quite the booch master. I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, it's great. This is, I mean, how many batches is this now? I started doing it while we were in Marietta for a couple of months before that. So it's been, been almost a year. Wow. I would say. Really? Yeah. Huh. Mm. This is truly delightful. Yeah, it's very pleasant. Nick, anything to talk about in this break or shall we move on to the lyrics section? I think we can carry on my wayward son. I don't have any anecdotes. I don't okay. have any correspondences. Nope, nothing. I've got a hair on my mustache that is just going rogue. Nick is here so that he can come and see Measure for Measure tonight. That I will. At Shakespeare in Delaware Park here in beautiful all-American city, the electric city, Buffalo, New York. That's right. One of the first cities to get a full electric grid. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. There were a lot of firsts in New York State, I feel. Like the New York State Fair was the first Ferris wheel. Was it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll take pictures. I brought my, my nice camera. I'll put on the zoom lens and take all the pictures. Oh, okay. I'm excited to, uh, to get to share that performance with you. I'm excited to sit on stage. I'm excited for you to do my role mm -hmm. while I sit and watch. I, I'd like a break. You'll see how good you are. I, I can't wait. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the lyrics to The Perfect One. Yes, Nick, The Perfect One. Would you <clears throat> lyric us? You want me to read them all? Just no, no. I can read the little Ian blurb. Oh, let's read the Ian blurb. Balder, B-A-L-D-R, Balder. Son of Odin and Frigg. Also, Frigg is Freya. Yeah. Potentially. I think some scholars are like, they're the same person, and others are like, mm, I don't think so. Depends on who's yeah. at it you read. Handsome, gracious, cheerful, murdered by Hodor, his blind brother deceived by the evil Loki. Right. Yeah. He is the beautiful golden child. Everybody loves him. He's charming. He's funny. He's that guy in school that's the jock, but is also super smart and super charming and humble. You want to hate him, and you can't. But he's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Tom Winslow in my high school. You know what's odd? A lot of the illustrations, so, you know, we rely on Wikipedia, as do most people, and there are a lot of illustrations and paintings of the Norse myths, and a lot of them, like most of them, seem to come from the early 1900s. They're all dated like 1902, 1905, 1907, 1899. I don't know, there must have been a spate of... Uh, like a resurgence of interest in the Norse myths around that yeah. time. Well, that was like, that was also a really big heyday for just like cultural discoveries, right? Wasn't it? I mean, that, I suppose so. Yeah. It was right around the time of, of Egypt fever. A lot of archaeology, a lot of dinosaur bones were getting discovered around then. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Balder could mean brave, defiant, lord, prince, hero, great man. All of the above. Yeah. So his story is super, super similar to Achilles, really. Freya slash Frigg was like, he is so beautiful and he's so lovely and he's so perfect and I want him to live forever and right. be impervious. <clears throat> right. So she said, I'm gonna go to literally everything, yes. every living thing, everything, not even living. Yeah. She talks to the stones, she yes. talks to every single plant, every single animal and says, I need you. Oh wait. Yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right, you're right. But she does it for, oh. She does it for a, a reason other than just she loves him, though. So, like someone makes a promise. Someone says, if you can get, I think it's Loki, if you can get everyone, every single thing to promise not to hurt him. Then I also will promise. Then I promise I won't hurt him. Yes, I think that's it. I think you're right. And so she she, she talks to every entity, everything, like you said, everything. In, in, in existence. Yep. The dwarves, the other gods, the, the squirrels, the little fleas, the oak tree. And the only one that she misses is the mistletoe plant because it is not of the earth. The Neil Gaiman version is, oh, it's just a lowly crawler. There's nothing to worry about with that. And there's an association with mistletoe in mythology in general that it is kind of this, it is either the most sacred or like a despised thing not yeah. to be perceived because it is a plant that is parasitic. It grows on the oak tree. The Druids thought it was sacred because... It was a plant that didn't grow in the ground. Mm. So it's sacred to the Druids. Yep. 
Right, so for whatever reason, she misses it. Yeah. And then Loki... Well, she gets back, and Loki disguises himself, like, transforms himself as, a, like, an old woman. Right. And she's like, oh, hey, how'd it go? And, and Freya's like, oh, I got every single thing, everybody, except for mistletoe, but I'm not worried about mistletoe. Right. So then, because Balder is impervious to everything, the gods, because they're Norse, do a fun game where they throw fucking axes at him. <laughs> everything. They throw, they throw sword. They hit him everything. with swords. They shoot arrows at him. They throw rocks at him. Yep. Spears, axes, balls. But because yeah. everything has deci- has agreed not to hurt him, they either kind of go plink, or the or the rock will literally go yeah. and curve around him. Yep. Yeah. And Hoder, who is blind, who is blind, is sad boy. Because he can't see what's going on. Because he can't see what's going on. He can't participate in the fun. Yeah. So Loki, in disguise, says, hey, I'll help you out, buddy. Oh, I don't think he's even in disguise here. Maybe not. Yeah, I think he, he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, here's what's happening. Yeah, I'm going to help you. I'm going to get you a tiny little dart. A tiny little dart. That it, it'll, it will surely bounce off of, of and, Balder. And Holder. 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 Is very strong. He's one of the strongest of the gods. Mm. And so he's like, great, this is going to cool. be fun. I'm going to get to throw this little dart at Balder. And it's, and it's you know, I, I never get to do that. I can join in the reindeer games. I can games. join in the fun. Yeah. And he throws the mistletoe and it immediately pierces Balder, kills him straight yep. dead. Yep. Boom. And everybody freaks out. A big vibe check at the party. Yeah, it's a downer. I think it's safe to say. It's, it's a, a party foul. And then let's see what happens. Hoder gets killed, I believe. He gets punished by being killed for doing this. And I believe that that is the, this is the incident that starts the chain of events. That basically leads to Loki being on one side of Ragnarok and exactly. the rest of the gods being on the other. It's the step too far. Hoder gets killed as punishment. They catch Loki and they chain him up in a cave and they drip venom. They set up like, I forget how they set it up, but they have Jormungandr or like poison venom. Yes, I think it dripping is Jormungandr. down from, from the ceiling. Right. At inopportune, like it's, it's like Chinese water torture. It's not like a steady thing. And it's, it's excruciating to him. Right. Angerboda, his wife, mother of Jormungandr, Hell, and, oh, Fenrir, obviously. Yeah, and Hell. Um, I, I already said Hell. I'm sorry. Both wasn't, Hell. Both I wasn't hell. listening. So she's there and she has a bowl. And she collects the yes, venom yes, as it yes, drips. Yes, 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 yes. But eventually it fills up, so she has to dump it. And in that time when she's dumping it's it, it's on dripping him. on him. And that's when we get earthquakes, I think they said. Oh, right, right, right. And then, and then she goes back. And that's all of eternity until Ragnarok. Yeah. Oh, there's a fun little, a little detail. There is a dwarf called Litter mm. who is quite jovial. And he makes the mistake of making a joke at Baldur's funeral, and Thor kicks him into the burning funeral yes, pyre. Yes, that's right. I forgot about that. burns him up alive. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember. I don't think uh, Neil Gaiman talks about the joke. It's just that Thor is so pissed. He, he just he wants to, to fight. He wants to kill right, something. Right, right, right. And, and the dwarf was in the excited. wrong spot at the wrong time. Baldur's wife also throws herself that's right. onto the pyre. Yep. They also put his horse on there. Oh, yeah, so we can ride the horse in the afterlife. Yeah. Oh, and the ship that they put him on was so big. Oh, this is it. Yeah. The ship that they put him on was so big that nobody could push it out to sea. Only Balder could push it out to sea. Only Balder. Yeah. And so they had to wake up this giantess who didn't want any part of it. Yeah. And she finally, she was like, fine, I'll do it. She pushes it so hard that the friction of the boat skimming across the water sets it on fire. Which they wanted to do anyway, right? Yeah, but they're like, I imagine with their flaming arrows, they're like, ah. ah I'll put this one out. Anybody got a marshmallow? So if we dive into the lyrics, these are, are the most, I guess, convoluted of the lyrics that we've seen so far, I think. Well, let's start with the, the white lyrics, the, deca, the decapod tri- triptych. That one. The that dodecahedric. One, yeah. Pentameteristic, 
Yeah. He smiles, beguiles, and occupies a perfect, placid, sacred space, and thralls all those that gaze, admire, and fascinated beg his grace. He smiles, beguiles, and occupies a perfect, placid, sacred space, and thralls all those that gaze, admire, and fascinated beg his grace. Obviously, this is directly from the Ida, one of the Idas. Straightforward, he's pretty, and everybody Love likes them. to look at him. Yep. Bold, but blessed with calm, resists, well armored, turns aside all harm, directed at his sweet perfection, bathed in gentle lights to charm. Bold, but blessed with calm, resists, well armored, turns aside all harm, directed at his sweet perfection, bathed in gentle lights to charm. He's impervious. All but one, who seizing opportunity devises dark and cunning deed to snuff the candle, put an end to vital spark. All but one, who seizing opportunity devises dark and cunning deed to snuff the candle, put an end to vital spark. So everybody loves him except for Loki, and Loki's jealous. He's also just a shit. Yes, he you is. You know, from the way I interpret it, it's, he's just the black sheep a lot of the times. Like, he's, he hangs out with the giants. He yeah. has relationships and communication with the giants that nobody else does. Normally, the rest of the Norse gods are, are in combat. With the giants. In battle with the giants. And he just likes to stir the pot. Yeah, And he can, yeah. he's gotten away with it thus far. So he, he needs a bigger and bigger hit to really get, get the dopamine. That's and... really interesting because he's often described as a trickster. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of the myths he is. He's like, oh, oh I'm sure. going to turn myself into a hawk and mess some stuff up. Yeah. But this is really the turning point where he goes from traditional trickster to something else. Yeah. To harbinger of the end. And, and that is not the traditional role of tricksters no. in mythology. No, he's, he is still... Up until this point, he's still a part of the gods. They still, a lot of the gods go to him for certain things. Like, he's still a part of the party half the time. They go to... He's a useful person to have around, they, even though he's, un, you know, somewhat unreliable. They go to him to figure out how to get Freya's apples back. They f try to figure out how to get Mjolnir back, I think, right. as well. Yeah, right, right, right. so he's he's the go-to guy, because he is kind of that, that stepping stone between the worlds... And he has abilities that nobody else does. And this is the step too far, like you said, right. which I, I think is a great way of saying it. Yeah. So then we get into Ian's lyrics. And this this is a little bit more in the, kind of in the genre of Hammer on Hammer, where instead of saying, here's kind of a general yeah. observation yeah. about the world, here is something very specific from culture. Yeah. Ken and Joe... Joe and Andy, Frank and George, and Joe and Trav. Quite a lot of Joes in there. Fatal friends, fatal attraction, to a rough Adonis have. Ken and Joe, Joe and Andy, Frank and George and Joe and Trav. Fatal friends, fatal attraction, to a rough Adonis have. From Ian's blurbs, the, the, the lyrical reference here. The obsessive relationships between Kenneth Hallowell and Joe Orton, Joe D'Alessandro and Andy Warhol, Francis Bacon and George Dyer, Joe Exotic and Travis Maldonado. Wow. So, Kenneth Hallowell was a British actor, writer, and collagist. He was the mentor, boyfriend, and murderer of playwright Joe Orton. Wow! Yeah, that took a twist already. <clears throat> Joe D'Alessandro was one of Andy Warhol's superstars. Basically, he's, he's the guy who said, in the future, everyone will have 15 minutes of fame. Huh. His superstars were people that he would literally just record five to ten minutes of video and say, this is a superstar. He was a star, he was a kingmaker, yeah. he was a star maker. Joe D'Alessandro was one of those. Francis Bacon, not Sir Francis Bacon... Oh, Francis Bacon, the painter. Yes. Oh, Francis. His, have you ever seen his work? I haven't. No. Oh my God! It is a Technicolor dark nightmare. It is so. His his work is so intense. That's what it sounds like. So his his lover George Dyer committed suicide in seventy one, and Bacon memorialized him in a series called Black Triptychs, a number of posthumous portraits. 
and Joe and Trav is Joe Exotic and Travis Maldonado. So I love. What a cultural, like what a modern cultural reference for Ian, even though it's not that modern anymore. It's been I, a couple of years. I love that Ian is exactly the same as all of the rest of us and was so bored during the early <laughs> days of the pandemic that he watched The Tiger King. Yeah. But so with all of those couples, it seems like there is a sense of almost like like an artist in their muse. Yeah, two of rough Adonis have a dark, sad commonality. All hero worship, bit of rough, frail bond to stretch to breaking point, a point distilled from stronger stuff. A dark, sad commonality. All hero worship, bit of rough, frail bond to stretch to breaking point, a point distilled from stronger stuff. Right, so these were all loves that ended in tragic death. I, the only one that wasn't, I think, was Joe Desper, Desperando or whatever. Desposito. 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 Um, <laughs> with, with, uh, with Andy Warhol. I think he's still alive. Oh, is he? Yeah. Well, but Warhol died. That's true. But maybe, I mean, maybe, we don't know. Maybe there was some yeah. toxicity or some, some, something in that relationship. I mean, I'm sure there was. So one questions then, is Ian saying that Loki's relationship to Balder was one of obsession and hero worship to the point of wanting to do violence? Or does that mean that the death of Balder was accidental, that, he, that Loki actually didn't mean to kill him, he just wanted to hurt him or didn't think That's, it through? I mean, if we're to look at this and see our Norse text versus our present day, that's what it feels like. I would see, I, I think a better analogy would be something like Mark David Chapman who killed Lennon. Yeah, okay, sure, 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 Because sure. he wanted to be famous for killing someone famous and uh, wanted to punish him for saying that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. He had it in his mind to write what was wrong by assassinating someone. Right. And maybe Lo there, there is that level of jealousy there that Loki is always shat upon. I think that's it. I think that for, that's always been my read. Yeah. Reading this text, that's the translation that I, I think works the best. I personally think it's like, he just went too far. I think so too. I think, I think it was like, oh, this is gonna be an amazing joke, whoops. Yeah. And that's actually, I, I don't remember, if, I don't know if you remember in detail the plot of the Tiger King. I do. But that's what caused that death. Right. He, I mean, he was definitely pretty messed up. Yes. But he was playing around with, but, a, with a gun yeah. and pretended, quote unquote, to shoot himself. Yeah. And did. They kind of speculate in there, did he know, did he not know? Or was it just that he was so messed up and so depressed that he was the environment was reckless enough that it is almost as if it was intentional. Yeah, that, exactly, that on yeah. some level, if you're not intending to live... <laughs> that it doesn't matter whether it is or not. Exactly. You know? If it's not this time, it'll be the next time. Yeah, it would be when you fall into the tiger cage. Yeah. Chomp, chomp. Chomp, chomp. So yeah, I mean, right, Dark Sad Commonality, all hero worship. So Joe worshipped Ken. Joe worshipped Andy. Joe, oh, maybe it's the other way around. The first one is the worshiper. Ken worshipped Joe. Joe worshipped Andy. Frank worshipped George. And Joe worshipped Trav. No, that's not right. Mm. You know what I think is that perhaps it's not a literal side-by-side -side, side comparison. I think yeah. it's, it's more like... This actually reminds me more of the zealot gene. Saying that there is this commonality in humanity toward this extreme behavior. This is another example of that. Yeah. Somewhere in... Because, you know, the Norse gods are, at the end of the day, expressions of human behavior and Correct. human desires. Yeah. I think he's using the story of Loki and Balder to say, look, this is, yes, this is a myth, but that's also a real thing that happens. That some people get so yeah. weirdly attached mm -hmm. to someone that they view as being perfect, they will do behaviors that, doesn't make, that don't make sense that can have violent ends. Yeah. That obsession is perhaps just fundamentally unhealthy. The fatal attraction, yeah. I've got a velvet mondegreen for you. Ooh, it's been so long. Bit of rough, 
All Hero Worship Bit of Rough. I heard All Hero Worship Bitter Froth. <laughs> I order that at Starbucks, yeah. Which, I do, yep. Which also, you know, makes sense in the whole Ganungagab dripping venom yeah, 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 yeah. kind of landscape. Yeah, we've got the, the Hero Worship, which is ultimately dangerous, but still kind of on the positive side, but bitter froth. It's or like you're so excited rough. that you're frothing at the mouth, but it's bitter. Bitter. Because you just had hate. a Campari. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Frail bond to stretch to breaking point. What little bond relationship Loki had with the family, with the gods, was broken when he went too far. Yes. So what's a point distilled from stronger stuff? Is that like that one moment? It's all been leading up to this point. Every single aspect, everything that has shaped Loki yeah. and Balder and everybody yeah. down to that, if you were to, to put it into a sentence, it's this. I think that's a good read on, on it, that it almost reminds me of, you know how so often people say, oh, you know, that terrible thing that I did that I just got caught for, I, it was really a joke. Oh, you know, I, it was, I was joking. It was, it was totally a joke. Locker room talk, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's so many examples of that. Well, there's even a line in, in this Shakespeare show tonight where somebody says, oh, that thing was a joke. Yeah. So, you know, I wonder if, if there's that sense of like all of this is leading up to all of these feelings that Loki has, all this kind of chaos that he has is leading up to this single moment right. that, is, that is distilled from all that. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. Anything else to say about the lyrics of the perfect one, El Uno Perfecto. Again, I love his, the poetry that he crafts for the poetic Ian, the Anderson Ida. The, the Anderson Ida, the yeah. poetic Ian? Yeah. The, the prose Ian? The prose Ian. The no, he's poetic. He's the prose poetic. Anderson? I do really like that. I'm still super impressed with how he, he crafts those. This is one of those weird instances, like you said about Hammer on Hammer, where it's such specific references. Yeah, it's not like... Oh, yes. Couldn't we imagine a Parisian showgirl? Yeah, a wicked diva, yeah. Right, or, you know, I'm sort of fantasizing about this aspect. It's very specific. This person in history. Yeah. 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 Is this perhaps also, we know that Ian has experienced stalkers and fans. I heard that there were some fans who even were so obsessed with his work that they made a weekly podcast. Wow. (laughs) That's... Pathetic. But is this a little bit of a of a warning to his own fans saying, I know you're obsessed with me. I think if this were 20 years ago, maybe, maybe. that would be apt, maybe. but I don't think it's terribly poignant here. Perhaps not. Maybe I'm reading too much into maybe it. Maybe it's more of a, just a general... Beware of that. This can happen. Yeah, you're, beware. You're zealotry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Beware of obsession. Nick, what are we listening to and talking to all about next week? Next week, track number eight, the track about Loki himself. It is Trickster, Parentheticals, and The Mistletoe. Kind of a one-two punch here. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a part one, part two, really. Kind of the cream to our creamsicle sandwich. <laughs> Whoa. A creamsicle sandwich? Mm-hmm. So what's in, is it two creamsicles with something in between? Yeah, cream. Cream. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Until next week, if you want to distill an experience from the stronger stuff of this podcast, I suggest you subscribe to our Patreon, where you can stretch to the breaking point your obsession with the work of Jethro Tull and talk with other people who have that sad, dark commonality. That's right. Our Discord is a perfect, placid, sacred space that you, too, can be a part of. If you want all those who gaze to admire and be fascinated by you, why don't you get a Brandon Talk Tall to Me t-shirt? They will gaze upon you while you smile and beguile. The point that can be distilled down from stronger stuff is actually five points, and it's five stars. You should distill your love for this podcast in the form of five stars and a review on your podcatcher of choice. Until next week, I am a bit of rough Foman Thomas Sade. <laughs> and I am a bitter froth <laughs> Nick McGill. Together we snuff the candle, the feckless moms. And this is a cunning deed. Talk tell to me. 
Oh, Balder, Balder, I wish we could play a fun game right now. Oh, Holder, I, I don't know if you know this, but I'm now impervious to all damage. Oh, that is so cool, Balder. I, you mean like all damage? All damage you can think of. What if I poke you? Poke me. Poke. Oh, I didn't even feel it. Oh, that is so cool. What if I, uh, what if I snap your bra strap? Do it. Oh, it tickles. Oh, you did not even feel it like painful. Nothing at all. Wow. Take this mug and smash it on my head. Okay. Nothing. Wow. Didn't even break the skin. The, the mug is so broken even though it was made of heavy stone. It smashed on my skull. Oh, we need something more heavier to smash. Oh, what can we smash How with? about this bench made of oaken wood? Oh, please, swing it. I will lift it up with my incredible strengths and... Break it on my back. <laughs> Nothing! Incredible! I wish we had something even stronger. Mm -hmm. We are running out of things. What about this massive table made of stone? Drop it on me. I will put a dwarf on it and then do so. Oh. Oh no! <laughs> the dwarf is smashed into dwarf jelly. He broke upon my back. <laughs> there is not even a mark upon you. Nothing. I perceive without mine eyes. I told you, impervious. What else could we... <gasps> what about this nuclear bomb? Oh, yes. I will put it into a sandwich and stuff it into your face. Oh, give it to me. With mustard? Uh, please. Little bit of relish? Uh, just a bit. Lingonberry? I don't want to be gassy. Go! <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Wow. <clears throat> I felt the toxins. And yet, I perceive that you are still here. Uh, not even heartburn. Wow. I will throw away the tums that I had gotten out. <laughs> oh, I think that that is all that we have to throw. Oh. <gasps> Wait a minute. Yes, Wait a yes. minute. Tell me, tell me. I have me. something so silly. What is it? What about I try to throw a podcast <sighs> at you? Throw it right into my ears. Okay, here we go. What is it? Talk child to me as a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Balder? Balder, what has happened? No, what have I done?